Yeah, man, it's it's been a kind of nowhere. Like this was never expected. And, and where we really started with this was a, a nonprofit that I was working with called Grassroots Farm Project. Welcome to the Grubthusiast Grubcast, where we're on a mission to find the best places to eat, drink, and have a good time. And occasionally, we get to sit down with some of the amazing food artists that make that possible. Thank you for listening as usual. If you like what you hear, don't forget to like and subscribe. It really helps out the show. Today on the show, we have Justin Nguyen from Long Beach Mushrooms. Justin, uh, you had us down here this morning. And uh, we've seen some amazing things. There's an area in your place that smells, I don't know, like a, um, a field out in the middle of Ireland at three o'clock in the morning. It just has this musty uh, umami uh, flavor there in the air. It's almost palpable. Um, how are you doing this? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just the, the normal cook of, of what mushrooms smell like when you're pasteurizing, when you're sterilizing things. You put it way more eloquently and... Uh, descriptively than I would have ever done it. It just, to me, it's, it smells like work. Okay. <laughs> to to okay. my wife, it smells like bran muffins. Yeah, it smells really good. <laughs> I'm not the wife, but yeah, it smells, it smells really good. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, it's just, it's just the smell of production, man. It's fantastic. Well, it, it's uh, like I said, it, I could cut it with a knife and I want to spread it on some toast and eat it. <laughs> so, uh, so look, so how did this all start? Do you want to get into the origin story of, I mean, how you began this and, and uh, then we can talk further about, you know, wh- where are you doing with it these days? Where is it going? Uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, man. It's It's been a crazy ride of just like following the energy, being connected to, to the community, being connected to the to my friends and just like something that came out of nowhere. Like this was never expected. And, and where we really started with this was a, a nonprofit that I was working with called Grassroots Farm Project. And uh, what we were trying to do was link up all the different kinds of food production that, that, a, that an individual can have. So we were trying to link like the, the home garden to the bigger plot of like the community garden and then connect that to a more rural farm. Because what we learned was through regulations and a lot of, you know, a lot of coding, there's certain things that you can't do in your home. And then especially if you live in a smaller home, like an apartment, like it's really hard to do compost in a smaller, in a smaller right, right. plot. And then we found that there are certain things that you can do in a community garden. Um, that you're not allowed to do at home. And then there's certain things you can do at the rural farm, like have animals and slaughter them and things that you can't do at a community garden. So we were just trying to like empower people to grow food and really learn for ourselves what that can look like. And uh, this was definitely, this was during COVID. So I had time on my hands and we had already, our whole front yard, I've turned into a garden, whole backyard's garden. We have backyard chickens. We were just like growing food everywhere. We have fruit trees everywhere. And then I looked at my wife and I said, we have a garage that we're not using. Can I try to grow something in there? She looked at me like I was crazy and she did not want that to go down. But I was like, come on, let's, let's just try it. And then she, you know, my wife is super supportive. She said, go, go, go do what you got to do. And I started trying to grow mushrooms in our garage. And that's kind of where it started, you know. So, I mean, what is the, um, your relationship with mushrooms? Is it, is it something that you enjoy yourself to eat or did you do this for, uh, to spread the love? I mean, because obviously mushrooms, uh, come in many different forms. Uh, there are the hallucinogenic type. There are the edible type there. I, I, I was working at a restaurant called true food kitchen. Um, well, I was in school. I went to Le Cordon Bleu and I externshipped at this place and I then became, uh, very familiar with maitake, shiitake, yeah. um, 
mushrooms like that. And, and uh, what's, what's the other one that starts with an F? It looks like a, it's all withered up looking. It's like, um, it looks like a, it looks like a spore from under the dirt. It's, it's all, uh, looks like a shriveled up fruit. So it looks like, <laughs> but it's very delicious. Um, but, th- but that's my relationship with them. Uh, before that, as a kid, I really wasn't familiar at all. As a matter of fact, it was something that you avoided yeah. on the plate. Uh, when mom would say, hey, uh, why don't you put it in your salad? I'd like, Ugh. you know, same with beets. I was not a beets fan up until about 10 years ago. And now I'm ravenous. So um, when I was there, I'd see how beautiful these things were. I mean, when they, they'd come in these crates, uh, they didn't, we didn't have the relationship we, that, you know, obviously come in here right at the grower. But we, they come in these boxes. And each one of them had this very unique uh, smell had this very unique uh, look, and they're very attractive. Now, that sounds may sound crazy because uh, it's a mushroom, it's a spore, uh, and, it, and it comes, you know, it's kind of a, I mean, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But when I saw that picture you posted, the last posting you made, and it, it, it made such an impact. It, it has uh, lots of different uh, shading, and um, it looks, uh, looks, looks, looks uh, luscious, it looks alive, it looks... Um, it's almost uh, I don't know phallic a little bit. It's it's uh, it's a lot of things. It's it's a uh, it was it's very wow. beautiful. Oh, I didn't know. Well, you have to see these mushrooms. No, I, I, something about them. Yes, it's almost very um, organic. Yeah, very. It's it's crude. <laughs> okay, uh, but anyways, they, it was it was beautiful. I, more I, was, the feminine I wasn't going to say I was. I didn't see that's why I didn't want to go there. You, you can say it as much as you'd like. I might get in trouble. But anyways, uh, they had a very unique look, and the ones that in those pictures, it was just so. Uh, abundant that picture and that's kind of that picture is kind of what prompted me to call you or to get in touch because I was like I want to find out more about what they're doing um, uh, so uh, you started this in the garage yeah and then uh, what what's what was it, what made you make the next step into doing this as uh, you know for is it love is it why choose mushrooms yeah that's a great question well I mean uh, the reason why we chose mushrooms because it's something that we can go in a garage okay um, we also, you know, I was also leaning on like just the high value of food you can produce oh, yeah. in a small oh, yeah. area. Yeah. Like it's in the dark, right? I mean, we, we do run a 12 hour light cycle, but okay. what I was getting to or, or what I was learning about it was like there are, you know, places in like where we're at right now, Long Beach, California. There's not we have a great community garden and home garden uh, community here. But like as far as food getting produced, it doesn't happen in the city, you know, and and what we were learning through Grassroots Farm Project and also some other things that I was doing and working on was people do have an innate connection to their food. They really want to oh. know what's going on and how it's grown and and really the spiritual value that's in that food. I really believe like never before. Yeah. Because I think people are tired of being uh, spoon fed garbage and, uh, and by way of having a, the uh, plastic patch in the ocean, uh, the chemicals that are, I mean, even was that Roundup in our water, in our soil, in our plants? I mean, it's, it's unavoidable. So, uh, yes, I think like never before, I can just to kind of expound on what you're saying, uh, like never before, people are asking questions about what, what's going on. Well, that was the blessing that, that happened during COVID was, you know, we went outside and we took a walk and we got to know our neighbors. We got to slow down and get to know our neighbors and talk to them and say hi and, and really slow down and, and, and live life in a different kind of frame. And what I learned about food production is there's a disconnect. People want, to, mm-hmm. people want to know the face behind the food. They want that connection, that real-life human mm-hmm. connection. Um, and then we kind of, you know, that sparked us as far as, you know, growing food in the city. That's, that's kind of our mission, growing food where it's eaten. And right. for us, it's, it's where, we're, where we live, our home. And people can connect, you know, their mushrooms to us, to our family. Right, right, right. And you said something about a, a communal garden. Yeah. Where, where is that located? Is that- yeah, there's quite a few of them in, in, in Long Beach. 
Yeah. Um, they're all over the place and they're great. They're great places for people to grow food. Um, there are limitations to it, right. but you know, they're everywhere. Yeah. Really? Um, and so the, uh, the one, can you rent a space in these things or is that how it works? You yeah. Just, they, you, there's a lot of people that rent plots. So if they don't, if they don't have the, the land or the whatever at their home to grow it, they yeah. can rent these lots out in the community gardens and they can treat it like their own. They grow their food there. They, they take care of it. They weed it. And how we've actually been a part of a lot of community gardens is our spent mushroom uh, substrate. So essentially our, our mushroom compost, when we're done growing everything, yeah. gardeners will actually come pick it up from our from our grow room and right. then they'll spread it onto their garden plots to reintroduce nutrients. So there's oh, like yeah. a full cycle of, wow. uh, yeah. Yeah. That, and that's kind of what they were doing in that movie uh, or that show, uh, The Biggest Little yeah. biggest little oh. Farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic uh, what they're doing there. And and we, we have a space out in, in uh, North County, San Diego. We have a couple of acres, and um, I had this dream. She has this dream uh, of having a garden that is on par with any. But the reality is, it becomes a, a huge job. Uh, we have a lot of golfers where we are, so uh, we have been, every every dream we had of putting something in the ground and growing it from scratch has been dashed <laughs> yeah, right in front of our faces. Actually, uh, to the extent where it's almost rude. Um, we will be there, um, two months in, we put a a plum tree in the ground and you're, you're watching it, uh, you know, come to a crescendo of, of, of beautiful light leaves. Uh, it's kind of reaching to the sky, uh, uh, for love from the sun. And then uh, a week later you go, huh, uh, it looks like it's tilting. Like it, it just, it was sitting straight. It was, it was going vertical and now it's just, uh, it's not quite straight up and down. It's kind of leaning to the right or the left a little bit. So you go, I better get over there and check that out. And then uh, a couple of days later, you go over there and you grab a hold of the stock and you just kind of trying to nudge it to see, make sure everything's okay. And then literally it either falls from your hand or it pulls from the ground with one little tug. And it's, it's so, um, heartbreaking. It, to, to put it in a word, it's heartbreaking because you're, you spent the time, the money, the energy to kind of uh, with the hopes of seeing this beautiful 10 foot plum tree full of, you know, Santa roses, just heaving full of sweet, tangy love. Right. And then your dreams are dashed. Yeah. <laughs> All the so, roots are gone. and the trees. <laughs> it, it, it literally is like a toothpick at the, at the end of it. It's been all gnawed off and everything. And uh, you try and save it to, to some level, but it, the summer, the sun, the hot sun dries out, and, you, and your it, it, your whole dream is dashed. Even if you have a remaining stock and you try and uh, nurse it back to health, it eventually dies. Yeah. It's sad. So um, we have space, and we would love to have this garden. As a matter of fact, she watches this movie called "What Was It?" We just talked about it in the car. Oh, uh, I saw this movie. <laughs> it was um, it's called "It's Complicated," and Meryl Streep has this beautiful garden out in Santa Barbara, and I'm like. I want that garden. Yeah. And, and it's one of those, those gardens that you see in magazines, like Martha Stewart's garden. Right. And the problem is nobody tells you there's a constant crew on there, yeah. weeding and watering and... and getting rid of this, ro- the, you know... Whatever. They're doing everything for the, it. The, the and, rabbits, but, we have, we're like overcome with rabbits and gophers. And oh my, so. yeah, it's it's a nightmare. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have standing in the front of the yard this morning trying to get the dogs out because they had to go out in the front yard. And uh, we, we have an offense property so i let the dogs out first thing in the morning and they went charging off to the east side of the property and i said okay you guys are gonna go do your thing i turned around and then i something caught my eye and within maybe 15 feet a little coyote run right past me i'm I'm assuming it was a coyote because i heard that like that and i knew it wasn't one of the dogs it was so light on its feet it scared me a little because i it ran very close and i was like i bet should i be scared of that coyote i'm like cody might try and take my foot off but um 
No, so running from the dogs, he's like, uh-oh. Yeah. yeah. So we, we've had, and I, my grandfather was a nurseryman back in the, when I was a kid. So I've always had a connection to growing things. As a matter of fact, people keep saying, hey, you got all that room. You should try growing some weed. I'm like, mm. <laughs> no, no, I don't want that in my life. Crop. I do not want that around my kids. I don't want, yeah. So um, when you started this, this uh, garden and then you took the step to going into the mushrooms in the garage and then you're now you're here. Yeah. Um, from, do people buy them from you directly? I mean, is this something they order online or are you selling to restaurants or are you, how, what's the, what, what, how does this move along? Yeah, we do it all. I mean, all when, when we first started, it was, uh, just people coming in our garage and buying okay. mushrooms from us in our garage. Okay. So we had neighbors and all that. Um, and then also what, what started happening was restaurants started finding us and that's the magic of social media is right, like we right. were able to put something out and connect with our community. And then people started finding us. Um, how they purchase from us now, we primarily do farmer's markets. So we're in about five farmer's markets right now. That's where most people will buy from us. We also sell direct to restaurants. We're in about 10 to 12 local restaurants right now. And then we also have a subscription model. So there's people who will prepay for uh, their mushrooms and they pick it up from us every Saturday morning. Wow. That's where I was at this morning. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. You better tell your sister because uh, her sister and her brother-in-law own a place called uh, The Pike. Oh, here yeah, on yeah. fourth yeah that's her sister and brother-in-law so um yeah maybe they could use some mushrooms yeah <laughs> i know sure they let them know i know they probably say hey do they make you feel what kind of mushroom are you talking about let's get some of those so uh yeah okay so um what how many varieties do you have i mean if you you know do you have like a a slew of varieties or you guys specialize in some no, our, that, I mean, that's what we, that's kind of what we pride ourselves on is we, we're constantly innovating and constantly finding new strains to grow. Okay. Um, I think that's what keeps it exciting for the, for the consumer. Wow. So How we have, we have like maybe 15 different varieties that we grow on, on rotation. And then I'm constantly experimenting. So we'll bring in strains from, from breeders or from other foragers. And we also forage our, some of our own strains. So I actually have a lab tech who likes to forage and she went out to Silverado Canyon and found a really, really cool turkey tail brings the tissue sample back to the lab, we'll grow it out, and then if it's viable for production, we'll roll it, and it actually is, so we'll start growing that turkey tail. That's the cool thing about mushrooms. It's almost like like the tomato world. You know how there's so many different varieties different variety. of tomatoes? Yep. That's what mushrooms is coming to. People are crossbreeding them. They're, they're finding different strains out in the wild. So we have maybe 15 in our library right now, but we're always adding to it, and then we're also kicking some out. Like if they're, if they're not working for us, we won't grow them anymore. So we're constantly playing with it. How do you know that they're not like uh, poisonous? I was going to ask yeah, that same question. Because like, <laughs> yeah. you're saying if you're going out and just foraging. Well, I, well, my understanding of that is that in the past, uh, you had to have a uh, Wiccan in your <laughs> in your crew who could go out there and identify them by sight. And if you didn't, they had books they would sell uh, the turn of the century where they would have these books. I was watching a movie recently that's, that is kind of really is coming to mind right now. What's that movie with, with um, Daniel Day-Lewis? Oh, uh, Hidden Thread? Is that what it's called? That's that sewing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Did you ever see that movie? That mm. recent movie is probably no. three or four years old with uh, Daniel Day Lewis. He's a uh, he's a couturier uh, in in I think in, in Paris. Paris probably. And he meets a, a woman who's a, of a lesser um, I don't know at the time you know it's very classist right. So uh, she was of a, a, a kind of a working class, and he's this you know big name. And uh, in the movie, the, the common thread of the movie is that she is a, she's very well aware of mushrooms. Mm. And so at some point in the movie, she gets a little irritated with him because he's a very bombastic kind of guy. And she, he, he, she gets pissed off one time, excuse my French. And, uh, she, uh, unbeknownst to him, puts a little bit of mushroom in his 
omelet that he's, he's he loves this omelet and she makes him this omelet and he he goes completely ill he's <laughs> on the verge of death. But he has no idea. Nobody has any idea why it's happening. And uh, then uh, the whole threat of the movie, the whole thread of the movie is that she's always got this in her back pocket in case he gets out of line. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, and, and the very last scene is a very beautiful scene. It's, it's very um, uh, cinematically beautiful because the way the timing is and she's, it, she's making this, this, I mean, he's asked for this omelet again, knowing that she probably did him wrong the first time. Mm -hmm. And then she allows him to make it in front of him. And she's doing it very, very delicately and very passionately. And she's, you can hear the tapping of the spoon on the pan. She's making this omelet after sauteing these mushrooms in it. And he eats it and like looks her in the eye and taking a bite of this mushroom right in her face going, I know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I, we're gonna, you're going to save me again, yeah, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, mushrooms, man. Uh, well, how do you, yeah. So it's it's definitely, that, it's definitely, know? it's definitely dangerous to go foraging if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. I'm not even an expert at IDing. The great thing is there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of resources out there. There's great, you know, Facebook groups or whatever out there that, that'll help you ID things. But essentially what I do is I, if I'm not 100% sure, I'm not, I'm not rolling with it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that get really ill. Um, From the, are you talking about the people that are foraging? That are foraging because, yeah. you know, it's hard. There's, there's lookalikes. Yeah. And, yeah. then, and then not only that, but also how do you, how do you um, cook them? Right. Like there's certain things that if you don't cook them down far enough, yeah. that you'll still get sick even though it's an edible mushroom. Right, right. So you just got to be careful and, and really, you know, just know what, stick to what you know and also be humble enough to be like, I don't know what this is. I need help. You know? Do you have a method for testing that before you start the grow process or is that, I mean, you just have to know. No, we, we definitely, so we, we buy from established breeders or, or people who forage. So they know their stuff, Yeah. but also when we bring it in, we'll do a test batch. So they're not rolled into production right away. Right, we'll right. grow a small batch of them. Yeah. We'll check them out make sure it's something that works for us before we roll it into beautiful. production. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, when you do this though, now that you've, you've taken a look, you identified the mushroom. Are you able to know, like test it with, like, with some kind of tester to know what's in like what chemical process? Because I know they have psilocybin mushrooms, yeah. uh, which are you know kind of make you feel funny. Um, <laughs> are, besides being able to ID them visually, as you were saying, the the the, the spore world has got to be immense. I mean, the the number of them, what, I mean, the number of varieties has to be what in the thousands? Is there something? I'm probably millions? more than that. Really? No, yeah. There's wow. there's so many out there. I mean. But for us, like we, we grow a very particular, we grow a lot of oyster mushrooms. Okay. We grow a lot of heresiums. We know the characteristics of them. They have really standard, um, all of them are, are pretty standard on how they look. And, and they have some really like, you know, just, just characteristics that are easy to identify. So we know, essentially we, we, we pretty much know what's edible and, and yeah. what we leave out. Awesome. Um, even like when you're talking about cubensis and, and psilocybin mushrooms, yeah. they even have their own characteristics that will help you ID them. So you're looking for things like, you know, blue bruising and things like yeah. that. So there's, there's really, um, there's really a lot of characteristics that you can kind of pinpoint to know if this is an edible mushroom or not. Right. And there's a lot, there's, there's a lot in between that are kind of fuzzy. We just don't even touch them. Yeah. Wow. The, um, I imagine the, the chemical compounds probably have some, um, direction, give you direction on the flavor co uh, profile. Is that affected by that, do you think? Or is it the the different strains or the different types? I imagine they all have a kind of a different flavor essence. Yeah, they do. I'm, I mean, it's kind of how I, how I like to explain it is like, it's like when you're eating a tomato, right? Yeah. There's hundreds or thousands of different varieties of tomatoes. You put two tomatoes on a table, they look different. But when you take a bite of it, you know it's a tomato. It's not like it's going to jump out at you and be yeah. like, I'm, what am I eating? Yeah. 
So that's kind of how I see mushrooms. Like they all taste like when you're eating it, you know, it's a mushroom. It's not going to, sure. it's not that drastically different. But then when you start pinpointing, especially when you, you know, working with like really high quality chefs, they can pinpoint like the different textures, yeah. maybe the different subtle differences that'll make a dish work or not work. Oh yeah. Um, so they're, they're all relatively the same in my, in my opinion. Okay. Um, but then you can break it down further, just like you can with the tomato. What's your what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite mushroom that you kind of do you eat mushrooms at home a lot? I or? do. Yeah, we, we eat it all the time. I mean, not so much lately. We used to eat a lot because yeah. we would have a lot left over. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And now we're we're actually really locked in on our production and our sales. So we have very little food waste. Okay. And that's part of a, a mission of our, our, our farm is to have very little food waste. So all the mushrooms that we grow, we already know where they're going before they're, okay. they're finished growing. So with that being said, we don't have as much extra as we used to right, when we were right. first starting out, but we will, we always take stuff home and cook it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? I mean, you have a favorite of one of the ones that you have? That's hard, dude. It's, that's like <laughs> the hardest question to ask. Well, um, how, how about It, it comes with seasons. Two. Okay. So okay. sometimes I like this, sometimes I like that. Typically with me, I like whatever's new. It's just exciting <laughs> yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, so right now, if you ask me today, what's my favorite mushroom? I would go with the chestnut mushroom. It's got like a nice subtle nuttiness and a little bit of a, a peppery finish to it. Wow. Great yeah. in like pastas. Just really good mushroom. Justin is the uh, mushroom sommelier. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So how do you prepare it when you do it? Do you have a, a favorite recipe or a way? Because my favorite, I mean, I don't care what mushroom it is. If you take some chopped mushroom and you saute it in the pan with a little bit of butter, it's toxic. I mean, it yeah. is the, the, the essence, the smell is it's uh, intoxicating. It's just, it fills the room full of buttery umami. You know what I mean? And, uh, for a while back, years ago, we went to Umami Burger in Santa oh, yeah. Monica. Uh, do you, I've heard of it, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, they made a uh, mushroom mayo or a mushroom uh, aioli that was just incredible. I remember just having like well they had they had a they had a selection but they also had a spread a mushroom spread hmm. on one of the burgers because I remembered having uh, it was an Angus patty really thick patty with like a, a, a brioche bun and then it had some smoked gouda on it and and it was the extent of it was just the mushroom spread with the uh, the smoked gouda the the nice Angus patty the brioche bun but I'm I'm telling you right now the the, the smell. <laughs> of that incredible mushroom sauteing there. Just, you could hear the little sizzle in the pan with that butter and all that, that umami smell. I mean, sometimes you wish when you're cooking, you could just, you could pass this on. You could email this smell to somebody. Now, yeah. Could I just, could I just put this in a PDF and just send like it to a friend? Just like when we went into that room, your yeah. room over there, that smell. I'm like, it is, oh my God. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it earth? We could pass that on in yeah. this podcast. It, it, yeah. Is it earth? Is it, uh, <laughs> is it just the, the spawn the, of nature? The grains? Is, the, is, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Is it the way it was meant to be? Because you know that, uh, that old, that old story that Joe Rogan tells about uh, Christmas and yep. mushrooms. Yep. Uh, you got to think about that as. Oh, well, I'll make it brief, but there is a story that Jogren tells that the that they say that the origins of Christianity um, when you look at the Christmas tree, right? Oh. And they have those uh, lights on there or you, those things people used to take uh, supposedly I wasn't there. They take these mushrooms they would grow underneath. They were psilocybin, the ones that were red with the little yep. polka dots. Mm -hmm. They would dry them, hanging them from the trees. And that's where ornaments came from. <laughs> And then they when the, and how they okay. found out is supposedly they found out by uh, watching the reindeer because they would have reindeer in these regions with the pine trees, the mushrooms growing underneath the the uh, the reindeer would eat the mushrooms and they would go, oh, OK, we can eat them, too. Then they ate them and they were like, 
Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> what a <laughs> the origin what? of uh, Rudolph, right? With the red nose it was potentially I, a mushroom. Wow. Yeah, see, what, oh, you know? think about that. Yeah, think about that for a second. You're on mushrooms, <laughs> and you see a reindeer who's eating a mushroom, and his nose is red, and you go, Rudolph. There it is. Yep. <laughs> what a gift. So, uh, okay. So, um, so you don't you don't grow those kind of mushrooms. No, we don't. No, oh. no, no. <laughs> I mean, it might come down the pipeline. There's a lot of there's a lot of legislation going through that potentially would make that legal, but that's not what we do here. Yeah, yeah we grow gourmet mushrooms and then some medicinals too. Yeah. Um, when you yeah. when you say medicinals, uh, what what type of those? There's some there's some mushrooms that have been that that have quite a bit of research backing them that are just like they just have great health benefits. Yeah. So like for instance, uh, lion's mane is great for. Oh yeah, I heard about you know, that. Yep, that's a big one right now. We we we're growing a turkey tail and turkey tail has there's some research out there that potentially it's anti uh, it's like cancer fighting. Oh, wow. Has some cancer fighting compounds. We grow uh, reishi, which is an adaptogen and it's great stress reliever. Really? Um, do you? Yeah, I mean, do you have the supplements that you sell? We, can we buy some from you today? Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, think, uh, I don't know if we have any here today, but yeah. That lion's man I heard is good for cognition. Yeah, is that true? Yeah, yeah. it is. Okay. And you know, it's it's good. I like to say it's good for brain health. And I've actually switched how I've been taking it. I used to take it in the morning because yeah. you know it's kind of like a think of it as a coffee replacement. Yeah. Okay. But I I'm one of my one of my good friends is a has a you know a, a PhD in plant science, and he's like, no, dude, take it at night, like an hour before you go to sleep. Wow. And I just, I listened to him and I just tried it and we were, my wife was tracking our sleep and we, so we were taking the lion's mane capsule an hour before we went to bed and our REM sleep increased from about 45 minutes to about an hour and a half. Can you give me a pound of that? My wife needs that desperately. <laughs> need that desperately. She's going to yeah. eat the whole bag right now. Yeah, man. So, it's, so yeah, it, it's it, awesome. It's a miracle work for us. I, I don't get more sleep, but my, my quality of sleep's higher and it makes sense on why as we were talking, it's just like. You know, REM sleep is when we are analyzing the day. We're turning things short, long, short-term yeah. memory, long-term memory. We're just processing our day. And then if lion's mane is helping us through that process, it makes sense why I'm more restful, you know? Yeah, wow. I want some of that, too, because um, I don't sleep as good as I could. I know that. <laughs> I Yeah, I don't either. You, you know, I was actually uh, looking at that ad. It's all over the place right now. Mud water. Yeah. Have you been look, looking at that? They, they have all, a lot of mushrooms in there as well, yeah, right? Yeah, mud water is a great brand that's that's pioneered like this this kind of a space um, I do have some thoughts on it as far as like they're, what they're doing is great I nothing against that but what I want to do a little bit more is to kind of highlight the different mushrooms and what they're good for because mud water is kind of like a multivitamin they put everything in there and I see the benefit of really pulling it apart and uh, and, and treating it uh, treating like honoring what that mushroom is and what that what, what it's good for you yeah know? yeah oh yeah like more be more specific like yeah, exactly. what okay yep yeah. And so um, the lion's mane, and then you said, okay, you said the turkey tail. Mm -hmm. Okay. And does the turkey tail have any particular usages or is that inedible? I mean, for a food? Is oh, it no. It's it's so woody. You don't want to eat it. Okay. Um, people can brew, you can brew teas. Okay. Um, or, you know, we make tincture with it. Okay. Uh, there's people that will powder it, extract it, encapsule it. Um, but it's just, uh, you don't want to eat it. Okay. So Same thing more, with reishi. That's more medicinal. Like yeah. You said cancer. It helps. Uh, there's uh, there's some research out there that says it's actually uh, cancer fighting. So not just preventative, but potentially fighting. So, you know, all this research out there, it's it's hard to really nail down research for like natural. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, it's out there and some people say it works. Some people say it doesn't. But, I, you know, I'm a believer that there's definitely value to it. I, yeah, I think so. I remember when my mom had um, cancer. And stuff we were looking for, you know, anything that was more holistic, more yeah. natural, and there's lots of mushrooms that came up. Yeah, like hey, 
get this, get that. But it's hard to find, yep. you know. Yeah, so. that's what we're trying to change. <laughs> well, you know, I think we now have a connection now from Mushrooms. Have, yeah. Yeah, we can definitely find a way to get them from Justin. <laughs> um, so do, where, do you know where this is going? I mean, you're obviously expanding here in the, into your next uh, unit here. Yep. Come, are you going to bring over the grow from wherever it's at now to bring it here? Um, are you, what's next? What's on, the, what's on the horizon? Because like you were saying, you're going to evolve this. What's, what else is coming up? Yeah, man. If I got everything that I wanted, we would definitely change how food is, uh, how food is grown. Okay. So my, my mission is actually, our, our mission at Long Beach Mushrooms is to grow food where it's eaten. Obviously, we can't grow all the mushrooms for the whole world. Right. But what I would love to do is help other farmers do what we do. So, you know, I, my background's in education. I used to be an assistant principal and an English teacher. So educating is like one of my passions. And what I would love to do is spread this information as far as it can go so that we can really decentralize how, how food is grown. And now each city maybe has at least one mushroom farm like that would be the dream you know instead of having these huge um you know these huge industrial farms that are growing thousands and thousands of pounds of food and then having to figure out how to distribute it out like that to me that kills a lot of our food value especially the spiritual value right you don't know who's growing your like if you go buy a a a pint of button mushrooms at ralph's you don't know the name you don't know who's growing that and i i believe that there's actually like that's actually contributed to your health Sure. So I, I, I do believe when people buy mushrooms from us, they know it's coming from, they, they know the salesperson and then they know that it's coming from my family and they know where we're growing it and that we're growing it for our community. I actually think that, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of value there that we don't get with how food's grown now. Oh, I So agree. my dream, more mushroom farms. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, what, um, is, what's the, I mean, is there a, a big barrier to entry for this? I mean, the, the process of getting you know, set up with all the equipment and all that, is there a large barrier to entry? No. I mean, the way that I did it, I did it on a dime. We, I like to say I chicken scratched together. Okay. Like it was not expensive. There, there are people that will tell you, you need, you know, $250,000 to build out something proper. But in my opinion, you can really work with the seasons. You can master the fun, uh, fundamental skills of this. And like in my garage, you know, my garage is a small two car garage. I was growing 50 pounds of food a week out of that garage and I was servicing my community. My next step after that was I just got a slightly bigger garage. So from a two car garage, went to a four car garage, and then I was growing 550 pounds of food for my community. And now moving next door, we'll grow about 1,500 to 2,000 pounds of food. Right. So like the barriers of entry are big if you're like trying to jump into it right away saying I wanna do 2,000 pounds a week. But if you wanna start small and just start learning and start producing, like it's not that hard, you know? Well, so you how know, long does it take though? Let's say for instance, you know. Yeah. You, from from like yeah, from, from spore to full exactly. on harvest the, the quickest and and why it's why it's uh becoming more and more popular is growing oysters because you're looking at about a six to eight week turnaround and if you're doing it in phases which we do so there's always a crop coming behind the the crop that we're harvesting today so like you can you can turn it around pretty quick there's timing is actually that actually makes it hard to grow because your timing has to be so on point like you, your harvest needs to be ready in this window so that the next crop can go in but once you start getting those things down like it's not like you, it's just skills. It's just yeah. things that you learn with experience and, and over time. Uh, your crew, is it a, a large crew to maintain this process? Or is it, is it how many people you have? We have six employees right now. Okay. We were, the most we ever had was eight. But six is sweet spot. We'll probably, you know, we could probably, they're all part-time. Okay. They're all, uh, I believe in short shifts and high energy and we get in and out. And I overstaff a lot of our shifts. Um, but if you really wanted to do this like if you had full-time employees at this capacity, I would say probably three employees can handle what we do. Yeah. Is it may require like a, a, a kind of a really 
uh, attentive? You have to be very attentive to it, or is it something you can kind of set it and monitor from a distance? Or how, how does the how does that work? Is it really laborsome? It, there's a lot of labor. So that's like the that's the scale, right? You can get you can invest a lot of money and automate a lot of your systems, but now you're looking at a higher barrier of entry. Right, right. So that's when you got to pay the two fifty thousand to get yeah. started because you want automated everything, like robots and things. Yeah, or yeah, they go it, sick. It's it's that okay. it's that far now. There's there's definitely like the things that the the jobs that we have here, the duties that we have here, can be all done by robots. It's definitely right. possible. And then on the other spectrum, you can invest very little money and then have high labor. Right. And that's how we started. We just hired people on. We had low tech. Um, processes but we had great employees who had high energy and believed in our mission and we just grinded um, so now we're kind of in the middle where we're at the point where we're trying to equalize our labor a little bit with more efficient yeah. um, efficient equipment yeah yeah do you see yourself going to that kind of automation. you know ai well, robot chat gpt <laughs> I, I i believe we should use all the technology that's afforded to us just think about how hard it is to grow food in the city mm-hmm. how expensive rent is um how like it's just not a thing. So we need to take advantage of whatever we can to make this mission viable growing food yeah. where it's eaten, especially in urban areas. Right. So I, I'm a big believer in taking advantage of all the technology that we have at the same time, keeping the spiritual value of what we do. I, well, I love that part of it. Um, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody the other day, the guy from Tennessee, I was talking about, I was going to go see, um, he and I were talking about, you know, food and the, 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 the population and how it's going to evolve. And I was saying, you know, the, the, the question has always been why instead of planting, uh, an ornamental tree, like let's say you have an ornamental pear, for example. Why not actually plant a fruit-bearing pear? I, I, th- I asked those questions until I started thinking, if you had an, a condo complex or if you had a community living here, uh, it, it, th- not everybody's going to be able to harvest the fruit or the, the vegetable that's, that yields from that plant. So what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of uh, falling, dead falling on the ground. And eventually it's going to cause a lot of rodentia. It's going to cause, I mean, lots of problems, uh, you know, uh, flies and all those kind of things. Um, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I, the, the idea that people are starving but have to walk past uh, this ornamental tree that's, that's demanding water. Instead, put an actual fruit tree where someone could, you know, grab an orange walking down the street, grab a whatever. But I, I do understand the downside possibilities to it. Um, uh, uh, what you're doing seems like something that it, everybody should be doing. Um, in our backyard, we actually have these uh, tomato plants growing, and I feel proud to some extent. Uh, but I want it to be so much more. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking about, as you were saying, uh, having uh, everybody do this. I'm saying, why am I not doing this? Why don't I talk to you about this? Of course, it's laborsome. Uh, maybe my kids and my wife could be involved in it. But we have plenty of space. If you ever want to consider uh, you know, having a, another hub for your education, we have uh, about two acres of, of un, unused land right now that we that uh, I know I have a shed. I even have a shed that supposedly used to be the Wright Brothers uh, uh, airplane hangar. Whoa. We, uh, apparently they were out here at the turn of the century and they were out here flying and the library where we live uh, says that that hangar might have been from the, that time frame. And it had something to do with the Wright Brothers. I don't know if it's factual. Well, we have that strip that's right, this long strip. We, we have this land. open strip at the end of our street. Mm-hmm. And it uh, supposedly used to be an airstrip. And they had moved it to my area. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, it's unused. I imagine we could grow mushrooms in it. Yeah. So if you ever want to venture down that road, yeah. keep us in mind. 
but um, the the health benefits of mushrooms just seem endless. I think it's a, an area that's been unexplored. I imagine because yeah, when I was explored here, but like well, in I am, Asia yeah, and oh for sure, no, absolutely. In, in, in Asia, that's in, in a lot of that's in their food. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, um, I, I think in the cities especially, I think people aren't they don't. They, it's just so easy to go down to the store, you know, and buy some packaged product like you said you don't know where it comes from you don't know if the people that grew it uh grew it on a sustainable farm where they have the the ducks flying in to eat the snails to keep that population down or are they having uh roundup and have all that runoff into the local water supply you don't know that where that came from you don't know what's uh what processes they use if they use clean water what do they do yeah. you have no idea and I think more and more it, it concerns me. Uh, I, when my kids were little, we, I, sp- I was a stay-at-home father, and I, well, I spent a lot of time looking after their food because um, I don't look like it. I look like I eat a cheeseburger every meal. But, uh, but I, I'm very concerned about the quality of food. Uh, I always wanted to buy organic thinking that was the move. But when you think about it, even organic, uh, that process, uh, it, 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 there could be a lot of tomfoolery. Um, I'm just from the idea that when I was in school, they told us that uh, in order for an egg to be considered organic or uh, what do they call that um, farm raised, that there's farms where the chickens have to they open the door to the chicken coop. And as long as that chicken has the ability to walk out into said field, it is farm or it's a uh, uh, local raised or farm raised yeah. when in fact they're still in a, a little cubicle as yeah. long as they can see it. And that's kind of a shady deal. Yep. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I think the, the integrity in, in everything, especially in food, is, is mission critical. Um, I've seen a lot of people that have, you know, passed away from bad health choices. My sister used to live in Hawaii and she was a, uh, she was overweight. She lived in this, she, they, they were, they were not very well off. And I, and I still, to this day, I attribute uh, her passing to have something to do with the, the food they were able to source out. Everything's expensive on the islands. Uh, you might have familiarity with it, but um, it's expensive to live there. I get it. You have to buy what you can get. But the reality is, is that if your body's not being, um, it's not being, it's not, it's not getting the right nutrition, where does it come from? Yeah. And supplements, everyone's trying to pass off a supplement. Yeah. But, you know, the reality is that if we were allowed to grow our own food, know where the origins of the food comes from, know how the processes was, know, have the ability to be able to, you know, can, preserve, freeze, whatever you, so during the, the cold season, when it's not available, you still are able to get at it, rather than going down to the store and buying pesticide-laden yeah. Uh, fruits and vegetables. I think I think the health would incre- increase. I almost feel like it's a uh, to some points kind of a conspiracy because I don't know if they want it this way. <laughs> There's no money in it for them. Yeah. There's no money in uh, medication if everyone's healthy. You know what I mean? So I think that's. I mean that's what that's definitely like what we what we try to focus on here is just like providing real food to our community. Yeah. And I think you know there's the market. We're not here to control the whole market. Every, every customer has, has different priorities. There are customers where the bottom dollar is their most pressing priority. Like yeah. maybe they don't have the budget to spend a little bit more money. Yeah. Um, there's also, you know, what, who we're trying to find is like that, that's, that sweet spot in the middle of a person who can afford to, to pay a little bit more money for, to be intentional about the food that they buy um, and also values what we do. And then we, you know, in turn, try to give more value to the food rather than, like we just try to put more value into the food by, by paying our salespeople incredibly well and make sure that they're educated on what we do so that when they talk to a customer, um, it's, it's more of an organic conversation and there's, there's a real passage of energy there. 
to like us doing open farm events, open house events where people can come in and check out what we do, how we do it, ask me questions. We, pr we provide a lot of classes uh, for people to come in here and learn how to do this stuff. So what we're trying to, we understand that food cost is a barrier for a lot of people. What we try to do is how can we, if we're asking people to spend a little bit more money to buy our mushrooms, how can we give them the most value possible um, to make, you know, so that this is a viable business, but also that we're providing something great for our community. Yeah, I think uh, that kind of instructional thing where being able to show these people or show anybody who's interested uh, the how to use them and how to use them in their food, how what type of uh, uh, you know your mushrooms, how they could be implemented into their food and add health yeah. uh, health value as well as adding flavor and and texture, all that glorious umami to their food. Yeah. So um, so the mushrooms that you guys are having is it is it primarily like you said it's it's, it's some time medicinal, some of them are for food, but there is got to be a crossover at some point. You know um, what what would you say is the do you have an idea as to what might be the most nutrient laden nutrient rich mushroom or that would kind of combine flavor with nutrient density? Um, is there such a thing? Or I mean, I they're they're all. I mean, a, a great term that a lot of people use in the mushroom community is all mushrooms are medicinal mushrooms. Okay. There's so many health benefits to all of them. You know, just like looking at the bulk of what we grow, oyster mushrooms loaded with B vitamins, a great protein source, low in fat. Um, you know potential lower cholesterol, uh, regulate diabetes and sugar levels. Like there's just, again, it's a, it's a natural product. There's not, you know, the research on it isn't like, in like etched in stone, like how we as, uh, as a society like to know, like we want to know everything these days. Like I want to know 100% that works for me, yeah. you know? And, and I think with the natural world, you have to have a leap of faith a little bit. Like there's some things that will work and there's some things that might not work for you. And everybody's different. Yeah. Um, You're right. Everybody's different. So look, what, what works for me, I know, doesn't work for him. Yeah. Well, not necessarily all the time. No, not all certainly. the time, but in certain things. Yeah. So you're like my wife and I have talked about intermittent fasting, right? Yeah. There's so much research that says intermittent fasting is so good for you. Well, it works for me, and it doesn't work for her. We're different bodies. We're different <laughs> people. Yeah, well, it's, exactly. it's the same here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love intermittent fasting. Yeah. I would, I can go a whole day without eating, and I, I love it. I love fasting. I, I think it's really healthy for me. My wife, it's 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 difficult for her to do. Like her her blood sugar uh, sugar levels crash, her blood pressure crashes if she does it. Wow. So I think, you know, it's there are definitely health benefits to it. I also believe like it's not everybody not everybody responds the same way. Yeah. And that's the like I said, that's the problem with not problem, but that's a barrier or obstacle in the natural world is like we're never going to be one hundred percent sure that this is going to work for you. Right. You know. I, I think Find that what works for you. I think yeah. that that's the thing too. I'm I'm very ignorant as as far as uh, mushrooms are concerned. I, there was something that I said as, as a kid I avoided and uh, only did I become really familiar with the um, textural and the flavor advantages to it in school. I had no familiarity with mm -hmm. mushrooms because, you know, the, the foods I came up with were, um, you know, burgers and sandwiches, pastrami sandwiches, uh, uh, Mexican food. Uh, Asian food, but not a lot of mushrooms in there, to my knowledge. Again, being ignorant again. Um, so, to to hear all about what you're saying about the nutrition value, the the obviously the the tremendous amount of varieties that that's a lot of information I am not familiar with. I I would love to know more. Like uh, to read a book about the mushrooms and see all the different varieties because they are beautiful. Yeah, I mean they the, are beautiful. I yeah. saw your website. I was like, oh my god, they're gorgeous. Uh, visually, yeah. they're stunning. Yeah. Uh, the flavor is incredible. Again, I can't get that butter out of my mouth. But I like the fact that I mean, like you said, they're all mushrooms are medicinal, yeah. essentially. Which I think, yeah, there's that, that must be true because there, there's so many benefits. When I started, you know, like I said, my my mom had cancer and we're looking for things, and mushrooms kept coming up as 
it's something to take. Yeah. You know, some, that's what people do. So I I definitely you know, want to take some supplements. Well, and, Justin's here. What up? Ask, ask the question. Like <laughs> ask if you have questions about what it is. It's like, yeah, yeah. You, now you talk about mushrooms and, and the whole psychedelic side of it as well. So yeah. it's like such a. a there's such a, there's a lot of healing properties on the psychedelic side. I've, I've heard so many testimonials of, of what it does for, for certain people, whether they have PTSD, whether they're going through chemotherapy, like there's, there's a lot out there for it. And I think it's going to, it's going to make its way down to be, to being like medically legal. I'm, I mean, it's just a hunch, but I feel like that's where it's going to get to because there's just so many people uh, vouching for it. Yeah. I mean, well, I, that's what happened with weed, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, the thing about that is that I think there's a lot of people who have, like you said, PTSD on, on some level. I think as a kid, I may have had some PTSD, but it wasn't called PTSD. Mm-hmm. It was just called having a weird childhood. And the thing about it is that um, I don't think I started dealing with those until later on in life. Yeah. And I've heard that um, from Brogan, especially that he uh, has had come to Jesus moments yeah. on mushrooms. On the medicinal, I mean, on the medicinal kind, the on the hallucinogenic kind, yeah. and I don't, I've never experienced something like that. I would love to find out because you know the reality is that I, I it took me a long time to get through some of those blockages in my mind, and I and to have something that would allow me to, you know, have a mushroom and go on this ride and learn about myself or learn about my perceptions of the world, that would be tremendous. I think a lot of people could use that. I think, I think uh, they should uh, pass out mushrooms to all the people who, <laughs> who are warring in the world. Yeah. I think they may find out something about themselves. Yeah. Find out about why, why, am I, why are we doing this again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So, look, I know we're, we're kind of short on time, but I, I do want to ask you a couple questions. Um, one question is, and I haven't been asking it to everybody, last meal. Mm. you're being walked to the gallows. You're walking to doom. Yeah. And they say, we're going to give you your final meal. What is it? Damn. That's fun. <laughs> so it's going to be a pretty simple meal. It's going to be open fire cooked. So everything on a wood fire. It's going to be a nice tomahawk steak. Oh, yeah. A nice uh, side grass-fed? of Grass fed or anything? Oh, like yeah, that? yeah. Grass fed yeah. for sure. Okay. Um, a nice side of uh, like roasted cast iron mushrooms in some butter and thyme any particular mushroom you know um right now i'm gonna say an italian oyster mushroom i've cooked them before and they're almost like they almost like turn into chicken skin like a little bit of that crisp are they big or are they smaller uh the ones that we grow right now the caps are pretty big almost like the size of my hand wow okay um so that mushrooms uh i'm a potatoes guy it's got to be some side potatoes again they could be roasted in the fire like uh, maybe some uh, beef tallow or something. Or? Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that'll be okay. that'll be it right there. Okay. Um, you know, just some sparkling water on the side. I'm good to go, man. How about a, a little chimichurri? Mm, Not too much. I don't need it. <laughs> I'm indifferent. I don't need it. Yeah. Know? How about one of those tom? You say tomahawk? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just yeah. Like tomahawk. The long bone. Yeah. Just a nice yeah. cut. You know. That sounds good. One of those uh, one inch or two yeah, inch yeah, jammies. Yeah. Probably cost fifty dollars a day. Yeah. One of those. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have a similar meal, but mine's elk. Oh, nice. You know, what is yours? You, we never discussed yours. I've never thought about it. You should think about it. We're going to ask you again. There's going to be a test. All okay. Right. So, <laughs> well, bef- wait, before we go, I want to ask him because I keep go seeing ahead. this no. over his shoulder. He's got this grow kit. Oh, yeah. So, tell me about that. Does that mean that we can buy a grow kit and go home and start our own? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah we, we do the whole upfront process, everything, everything that's a little bit complicated, and we get it all the way to the point where the mushroom block is ready to grow. And then at that point, all you need to do is introduce oxygen and, and water to it. So all you'll do is that grow kit's ready to grow. 
you'll you'll cut a uh, you'll make an incision in the bag so that it opens it up to oxygen and then you spray it. So it's, it's called a, a spray and grow kit. Um, and we choose certain strains that are good to grow in that environment, and you can take it home and grow it yourself. Yeah. Do you, do you have multiple uh, different varieties in the one kit, or yep. is it okay? Yeah, we have. Well, no, in one kit it's just one variety, but okay. we have multiple varieties that okay. we put in the kits. Okay. Yeah, it's a great. I mean. Kids love it. Mushrooms grow so fast, especially when we get to that point. You're probably looking at a two week, probably by two weeks, you'll have your harvest and then it'll have multiple harvests of its lifespan. So it's just a fun project for, I mean, think of like the, the modern day chia pet. That's like, you know, that yeah. you, that yeah. you actually yeah. want to eat and it's beautiful. That's kind of what it is. That's awesome. Yeah. But So, okay. You have this grow kit. I'm assuming it has to be under certain you know, Do you need conditions. like a grow light? Do you need no, a... No, it's need... really simple. So all the, all the, all the all the controls in my grow room are so that we optimize our grow and that the yields make sense so that we're growing enough to be, so our business can be sustainable. Yeah. But a spray at home grow kit is really simple. You, you might not get the big three pound flush that we get all the time, but just to straight up grow it, it's really, really simple. Water and oxygen. Don't put it anywhere too hot, like no direct sunlight, because that dries up the block is really what happens. But there, it's a really uh, easy way to get in- introduced to growing mushrooms. What's I mean, what's in the kit? Can you tell us what's in the? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's our, our our substrate mix is oak sawdust and soybean hulls, and then we introduce a grain spawn to it, which is uh, like just whole oats that are colonized with mycelium. Um, we introduce that to it, and then again we let it incubate and just chill out. And once it's consumed all the food, we seal that bag tight, and then they're ready to they're ready to grow, and we ship them out. And are they available through you only? Or can you get them on Amazon? Or uh, you... Right now, they're only available through our website, lawmeachmushrooms.com. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So, but uh, we, you can ship those? Because I thought yeah, I read something where them. you can't. Okay, so no, it's we the, ship them, the yeah. ones that you can't ship is actual mushrooms. Like if people want to buy that stuff. Yeah, come yeah. Here exactly. Get. We won't ship We won't ship actual harvested mushrooms because they won't last. By the time they get to you, the quality is diminished yeah. so much that it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And it's actually part of our mission to not do that. That's why you're saying every city should have it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that leads me to my next question. Uh, just to kind of wrap it up. Um, do you want to give us a lowdown? Give us some where they can get a hold of you. Tell us the website, the all of your contact info. Yeah, man. So longbeachmushrooms.com. Pretty simple. That's our that's our website. Uh, our email is longbeachmushrooms at gmail.com. We are very active on Instagram. That's probably where we do the main of our of our connecting to the community. So if you follow us at Long Beach Mushrooms on Instagram, you'll get a lot of our information. We're also at the same same tag on on Facebook. Um, yeah, man, pretty straightforward on how to find us. The names, you know, the names pretty easy. easy. Yeah, yeah. Pretty easy. <laughs> we we did that on purpose. Well, um, okay, you know what? Well, um, thank you again for having us down. It has been very illuminating. As a matter of fact, I don't think it's answered so, as many questions as it's prompted. I think I now have more questions. So now you gotta uh, come back. Uh, we will do it again. We'll do it again for sure. Uh, th- but you're welcome on my show anytime. Uh, if there's any way we can help you promote it, um, you know, on our website, uh, on socials. If you have events that come up, please let us know. We'll uh, do what I can to promote that for you. And uh, again, it's been a really great visit. So thank you. Thank you. Oh man, it's nice meeting y'all. All right, thank man. Yeah. Okay. So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, check us out on our socials. Don't forget to subscribe and follow. And as usual, take uh, be nice to each other. All right. Have a good day. <laughs>